I'm Lauren Dimmitt Waters. I'm a New York City-based blogger and influencer who has been covering beauty, fashion, and lifestyle for what seems like forever. But now I'm a woman in midlife who wants to discover all the secrets to growing younger. I'm ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, wellness, and longevity. I'll unearth what works and what you shouldn't waste your money on. Even if it's crazy, I'll hunt down the latest and greatest to help us all get through this journey called life with a little humor and a lot of attitude. I want to keep fighting the fight so we can all grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Beauty is a Bitch. And I am having Dr. Ben Johnson on again because we didn't get to talk about some very important stuff and I knew I wanted to have him back. So let me just reintroduce him. He started his career in 1997 when he opened one of the first med spa chains with locations all around the US. Dr. Johnson then founded and formulated his first skincare line, Cosmetics, with uh, a strategy that was unique at the time. He's created medical strength results using all natural and correct ingredients. That was like 14 years ago, right? Dr. Johnson has since developed Osmosis Beauty with the goal of changing the direction of skincare away from excessive exfoliation, renewing the focus of dermal remodeling barrier and DNA repair and detoxification. Maximizing the skin's health works on every skin condition and every skin type. The product range has created a great deal of excitement in the beauty industry thanks to to its unique action and outstanding results And there's also a wellness collection because caring for the skin starts from within. Hi. Oh, and you also have a podcast called Ask Dr. Ben. Yes. Podcast Ask Dr. Ben. You're right. And I I watch you on Instagram doing some lives. Oh, good. Okay. I don't know if you're catching those. Oh, yeah. I do. If I see you're on when I'm on, I go hop on and go listen. Yeah. So I thought today uh, we thought we should talk about gut health, because it seems to be what people are talking about, very buzzworthy in the news, but yet there seems to be so much confusion around it, myself included. I'm not exact because there's so much information. So everyone is talking about gut microbiome, but what exactly is it and why is it so important? Well, so uh, if you go to the, um, how our uh, microbiome was created in the first place, uh, that's the biggest misunderstanding. And so what is the microbiome? It is uh, the bacteria that, well, the gut microbiome specifically are the bacteria that grow uh, within your digestive tract. But we also have like the body's microbiome because we have about 60 trillion bugs in our system that are not our DNA. And that boggles the mind to think about. I've got all these little creatures, uh, you know, that pr- sort of, act like cells in a way again, but they don't have our DNA. And all of these creatures are working in synergy with each other throughout the body. I don't know the distinction. I don't know if anyone's created the actual number of uh, microbiome, uh, digestive microbiome uh, bacteria versus the whole system. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there, it's, it's, you know, suffice it to say that there are uh, a massive number of uh, these probiotics, if we want to call them that, and there's some. And, and the thing, what what's the distinction between a probiotic and a, the microbiome? Well, within our system, most of them are doing good for us. Like I just said, they're all working in synergy to keep the physiology of the body working right. But there are some strains that have changed. So I'm a big believer in this idea that the epigenetics uh, that is such a buzzword right now. Everybody listening should Google epigenetics and understand that your body started off with all of these good bugs, these, these good uh, cells. And then as they get exposed to toxins, pathogens, and emotions, they, these bugs start to change and adapt to their new environment. So we can see this happening in our gut. And where people, I think, have misunderstood the process is by most accounts, all I see are people saying that our good bugs come from the foods we eat when we're children, when we're babies, in fact. And so they say, well, you know, the microbiome doesn't really develop until age two, and it comes from what these babies eat. 
Well, that really makes no sense. Number one, um, if they're just doing breast milk, then they would have your microbiome. They wouldn't have uh, all these unique strains, which babies, each of your children and, uh, and each of all of our children are have their own unique microbiome. Yes, there's overlap for sure, but there are, uh, it's a very unique population. And so that never made sense to me. If you weren't breastfeeding and let's say then you were feeding them some formula. And of course, that would mean that, you know, millions of children around the world would all have the infamil microbiome or whatever, you know, formula they were using. And guess what? Those bugs are not found in uh, those formulas. And then you say, oh, well, you know, I stopped feeding him formula at whatever number of months. And then I started feeding him Gerber baby food or whatever it is. Those bugs are not found in the baby food you're feeding them, not found in any, doesn't matter how exotic you make that diet. There's bizarre misinformation about the idea that these crazy strains, and I'm talking about thousands of, of very exotic strains that have been identified in the world of probiotics slash microbiome, and um, none of them are found in foods. They're found in the gut. They're found when they took fecal matter uh, and tested it for what strains grow out. That's how we became up with all these unique uh, species that we now know are in our microbiome. So the the thing that the first thing that I because I when I started to research this, I was looking at well, what exotic strains are going away first? Are they just super sensitive and they're dying? So what I need to do is go to these labs that are that are examining all these unique strains because you can go online and look at, um, you know, I don't know what you know, the definition of the category, but let's say a microbiome companies, and you'll see they have all these different strains they're studying and working with. They're not allowed to use them in mainstream usage. There's a select number of probiotics that you can buy uh, over the counter. And that's one of the first problems that we'll get to in a second. But the idea here is that they identified all these strains and um, I, my first thought was, okay, so what are the strains people are running out of until I realized, no, 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 no. Our strains are created by our DNA. There's no way they came from anything else. We know the microbiome is pretty close to set up by age two. That doesn't happen from, like I said, eating foods that have these strains in them. So it must be DNA based because you and I are so unique in our population uh, and, and differently uh, unique that we are, um, you know, not... It's not possible any other way other than your DNA has your microbiome plan for you. Now, what does that mean? What that means is you have a certain set of qualities associated with your digestive tract, how much acid you make, what foods you crave. Right. All of that actually is related. And, you know, there's that uh, famous book, uh, Eat Right by Your Blood Type, right? Yes. I think there's a fair amount of truth to that book in the sense that your blood type is also determined by your DNA. Oh. Right. And so people who do find, yes, I crave a lot of meat or I don't eat like meat at all. I crave a lot of vegetables. Like you do end up getting into those categories, but it's not really the blood type that is exactly the point. The point is it's your DNA. So it's going to, you know, how your body, where, you know, I don't know, like I could go layers and layers to, well, is it regional? Like, is it because you had a child while you were living in New York? And with that, have uh, altered the DNA choices based on the foods that you were presenting through your breast milk. Like maybe there's a, like, I don't, I don't pretend to know it all, but I will tell you that uh, I became very convinced that it's DNA based. So then you go to this idea of, well, then, well, how do we restore it? Like, well, you know, how, if, if our microbiome is being damaged and we can talk about all the different ways people don't realize probably how they're chronically being uh, their microbiome's chronically being taken hits, um, then the only way to restore it would be to not to grab some store-bought shelf of lactobacillus or whatever five strains they choose to put in that bottle. What are you missing? We don't know. You right. have exotic strains. I don't know which ones of yours are low. What if, what if lactobacillus is not on the list at all? And specifically that strain of lactobacillus is not on the list at all for what your body really wants. Well, then when you start taking that lactobacillus strain, you're going to distort your microbiome. Now these wow. gaps where, where things have been damaged are being fed by strains your body didn't want, 
maybe you never had originally. And all of a sudden, the balance is off. And last time I know we talked about uh, candida. And candida is another example of that. Candida is part of the microbiome. But you have specific strains that um, your DNA has put out, again, based on reasons we don't understand. But then those can be manipulated by the environment. Also, those will create epigenetic changes or you'll grow more candida in gap areas. So let's say you go to the dentist and you do a round of antibiotics. Next thing you know, a series of microbiome um, cells got taken out by that antibiotic. And so Candida says, oh, opportunity, because yep. you, you left the dental, dentist office, and I know we did this for our kids, I, or let's say it was, you know, you're a child getting a tonsillectomy. What's the next thing we give them? Ice cream. So you kill uh, the good bugs with an antibiotic, he's taking ice cream, there's a decent chance that will lead to an increase in their Candida population. So right. that's the summary of the big picture. Um, the microbiome is there to process your food to um, sort of determine uh, to a degree, like it's all one big unit. So it's hard to say, well, the microbiome is involved in like, how often do you have peristalsis? So if your microbiome is damaged, you may not be moving food along the canal very well. That's called constipation, right? Or the microbiome is damaged and as a result, the walls of the digestive tract are inflamed and you have chronic diarrhea or something in between. So, um, you know, the big picture is your DNA has a whole series of bugs that it has created. And depending on where you were exposing them to harm, you, they change a little bit. So they might even change how they appear. And those changes, um, they, well, like, I'll give you uh, one place where I think I'm, I'm unique in my opinion. And that is H. pylori. Have you heard of H. pylori? Yes. You discussed it a little bit in the last oh, we did last time. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people with H. pylori, um, like, they, well, a lot, most medical uh, positions on H. pylori are that it is an infection that you got from somebody else. Um, kind of like strep throat, an infection you got from someone else. I don't believe that. I believe you have strep in your microbiome. And um, for whatever reason, it appears to be more common in the back of the throat. And if you keep having a bad diet, or if, again, emotion, toxins, pathogens, or emotions are impacting it, you might develop strep. You didn't get it from your classmate. You got it from the epigenetic change. So same thing with H. pylori in the stomach. I believe it's a shift. And, um, you know, we're proving it because we're reversing H. pylori, not by, um, you know, by pre- this prebiotic strategy, by feeding it the good foods again, and getting it pushed back. Let me ask you this. What's the difference between prebiotic and probiotic and all these biotics? And I mean, Yeah, that's a really important one. Okay. And a lot of people get them confused. Uh, and a lot of people have misinformation about what's a good prebiotic. Like I, I you know, so the, the first thing is the definition of the two. Probiotics are actual bacteria that your body is being fed from some bottle of jar or um, you know, from some strains that you bought, most likely. Um, there really aren't probiotics otherwise going through the system in foods, right? So you're not going to, you know, a lot of people wonder like, well, if I eat yogurt, am I uh, getting, um, you know, lactobacillus in there? Um, generally, they're, they, they, all these uh, yogurts are preserved. They're not producing any good strains. And I actually believe yogurt is harmful to the microbiome. Um, the other uh, example would be, um, so then a prebiotic is food that makes your microbiome healthy again. That's what I would describe as a prebiotic. And a lot of people think that is sauerkraut, fermented blankety blank, kimchi, or uh, some series of foods where some fermentation process must have happened. And I disagree with that. I would you tell don't people like it. That, I remember you said you don't like it. I don't like it because uh, the fermentation itself creates a series of strain of bugs that will populate your gut and with the wrong strains. Again, uh, you don't need that. So all, what I found with all my research was uh, the best prebiotic is actually uh, omega, omega oils and um, 
related essential fatty acids. And so that was where I developed the, the osmosis recovery um, for giving uh, the gut the, 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 the like superfood that, that restores the, these good bugs in your gut that are different than mine and so forth. Wow. That's a lot to take in. Um, so you've kind of explained what, what are some of the misconceptions about gut health? I mean, I think you've kind of touched on some of them, obviously that yeah. we're really confused, but what uh, are some other ones? Um, a lot of people, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest misconception is that probiotics are good for your gut and after antibiotics, you should take them. And we've answered that, that, that you just don't have the strains. You might get lucky. I will say that there are people who have, let's say, diarrhea, who then take a probiotic and their diarrhea gets better. And they're like, well, that doesn't that itself prove that that was the right choice of bugs. Right. And in my experience, all that proves is that you changed something in the gut. I don't believe the bugs themselves were a positive. They were just altering. And in that alteration, uh, the diarrhea symptom went away. Now, most people, I don't think that it occurs. Um, but yes, I mean, people have like, they'll say, well, I know that I feel better on this probiotic. Well, it may simply be, first of all, yeah, you may have gotten lucky, you know, one in a million cases, what I would call that. But um, it, it may uh, simply be that that distortion of bugs that you're growing in your microbiome is shifting the behavior and it's not a good long-term event, but it short-term is addressing a symptom. I mean, I made the case, I think I might've made it last time, almost all medicine is this way. There very little of the medicine that's offered in the Western medicine world by, by the pharmaceutical companies is actually meant to make your body healthy. That's why there's this huge list of side effects and almost all of them, right? That what they're that's doing- very less, right, right. Yeah, they're altering- your, uh, you know, your natural processes. And as a result, uh, maybe your pain is better, but again, your immune system's harmed by it or whatever. So you're sacrificing one thing to just help another. Got it. Yeah. And that is, you know, my holistic model, that's not how it works. How it works is you remove the causative agent. You don't try to leave, like if you leave, let's say your symptom is from candida and you leave candida there and your, uh, your alternative is to add a probiotic into the system that's distorting the field. Well, the candida is still there. Still there. And now you have a new strain of a bug that's not supposed to be there. And, you know, for a while that may improve a symptom. But at the end of the day, your gut, like what ends up happening to people, I think, is you, first of all, you could get um, weird hunger. Like your body could be telling you it's hungry. And so you're consuming a lot more calories because it's not able to absorb the proper nutrients mm. to, to uh, s- satisfy. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting, but like I really believe cravings relate to this. So like if you have a real salt craving, chances are you are probably low in sodium. The problem is, is we choose the poisonous version of salt most of the time, table salt, um, and to feed that when, you know, ideally we're not, we're using, you know, sea salt or, or similar quality. So um, where I don't want to get too far off on that, but what if you have a um, sugar that, craving, what about sugar cravings? Sugar cravings is the same thing. And most of the time, if you actually have a sugar craving, you have a candida problem. So candida uh, sends signals. And this has been proven in clinical trials. I believe, um, that candida sends signals to, uh, your brain because the candida wants sugar and that distortion, uh, is, is quite common. Um, what's another example? I mean, obviously you could be craving water. Um, and then, you know, maybe if you're craving alcohol, it's more of an emotional trigger and not so much a microbiome trigger. Right. Right. Um, what about, what about meat? Like iron? Is that, is there any, um, you know, it's rare that someone needs iron in their diet. Obviously some vegans, uh, might find that, uh, a possibility, but yeah. If you're craving iron uh, or if you're craving meat, um, it could either be that the body wants protein or it wants some of the other things found in meat. Um, And again, we just talked about earlier, there's also your DNA on what it runs on. And you may have, are you a meat eater? 
Yeah, not a not a ton. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess. Pretty, I, I eat a pretty significant amount of meat. I am. And I would oh, say yeah. that just tells me that my micro, microbiome prefers that. Um, now, right. I hear stories. Like, I'll hear uh, Joe Rogan in the past talked about how he did, I don't know, uh, game meat only for two months. And he said for the first two weeks, I think, sorry to keep talking about, you know, diarrhea, but he had like profuse diarrhea from just eating meat. Well, what was happening there? His microbiome was altering. It was going, oh, if this is all I got, then we need to change more of these cells and and change it up. Um, But yeah, so we go back to cravings uh, are partially your your DNA uh, choices, and then uh, there's distortion. So that's a big one in the misconception. We talked about the misconception of what is a good prebiotic. Um, Yogurt is a misconception that it's good for the microbiome. Kind of a cool, interesting one, since we're talking about beauty uh, on this podcast, is that when you eat a lot of yogurt, you will get large pores in your, primarily yeah, in your you small explained, Yeah, you explained that. I've cut back on yogurt a lot now. Thanks. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, and yeah, I see- It ruined my life. It ruined my life, I might add. <laughs> you used to love yogurt? Oh my God, I was eating a ton of it. But I was also noticing, now I'm hyper aware of this because you told me, I, I stopped eating so much dairy and I noticed my skin cleared up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that that gets to one of the really interesting stories about the gut. Um, Because I have to tell you, when I first was going through medical school 20 years ago, 25 years ago, um, there was this story of mucus plaques and we would go in and we would do colonoscopies and we would never see these mucus plaques. So it seemed like kind of, yes, I've seen, you know, if you Google mucus plaque, you'll see some funky, crazy images of some people who must have some serious uh, buildup, mm-hmm. but it's a uh, mucus is a, an important discussion to have. It's one of the, the more important aspects of why your skin goes clear or not clear. So uh, let's talk about what is mucus. Like we know of mucus coming out of our nose we don't really think of a lot of mucus coming out of our gut, although a lot of people identify they see um, what looks like mucus uh, sometimes in their stool. Sorry, this 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 podcast can't help but gross. <laughs> well, I do get an explicit rating, so don't worry about it. Okay, because <laughs> it's called beauty is a bitch, so don't worry. We're oh gonna, yeah, you already uh, we already covered already got, it, whether I swear or not, I still get an, ex, an explicit. So oh, don't boy. worry. We can talk about diarrhea. It's fine. And mucus. <laughs> Fine. Well, so um, what mucus ultimately is, is a wound response. It's kind of like when you, sca- uh, when you skin your knee on cement, right. uh, the next thing that forms over that wound in the skin is a mucus layer that eventually hardens because it's in the air. But in your body, in the digestive tract, if you wound your digestive tract, it will form mucus, um, but it doesn't tend to get hard. So I don't know what to call a mucus plaque other than um, solidified, but not crunchy like a scab, if you might okay. imagine. Okay. And so it's not always easy to see a mucus plaque as part of it. Maybe there aren't as many mucus plaques on the, in the, uh, in the, in the colon, although um, no, I see there definitely are. A lot of times they're at the end of the colon um, uh, and they can be formed from constipation. So constipation itself can, because you have the fecal matter sitting there for too long, Right. Well, it's wounding, it's wounding around it because the fecal matter is generally a toxic uh, yeah, substance. getting rid of it, right. Yeah, we're trying to get rid of it. So just it's sitting there can form mucus as the, cell, as the layer around it gets damaged. Um, I have found that um, all forms of supplements that contain citric acid uh, are mucus forming. I'm not a fan of citric acid right. in your supplement uh, routine. Um, I found that... Uh, high forms of um, L-ascorbic acid, like anything over 250 milligrams, I think causes mucus. But the biggest cause of mucus, and this is going back to your original statement that your face cleared, is dairy. And so here's why, so who cares if we have mucus? What does that look like on our skin? Well, number one, it shows up as blackheads. So you can track on like on your nose and right here, typically, if you have like a big ice cream sundae the night before, pretty good chance you'll see more blackheads in that next morning 
as mucus has been formed by your body having trouble digesting dairy. And the farther out we get from, let's say, two, uh, the, the less tolerant we are of dairy in most cases. Obviously, I think you can restore a lot of your health, and I feel like I tolerate dairy just fine, but I still form mucus from it. Okay, so it shows up as blackheads, number one. Number two place it shows up is as acne. And the reason why is mucus is a feeding ground for candida. And so um, I, this is where I learned, because I was treating the candida causes acne, as I learned later on, because everything I, I do now, there was a sequential learning moment. And I just saw some people weren't responding to my anti-candida regimen. And I realized at a later date, that's because mucus sits above the digestive tract and that candida is less easy to get a hold of. So you got to get the mucus out. So that's where I, I you know, I have a patent pending product called Skin Clarifier that uh, melts mucus out of your system. Now, if you've someone who's struggled with a long time with mucus, let's say over a year, um, you've had constipation or significant acne for over a year, there's a good chance you've built up a plaque. And so I tell people, take my skin clarifier with psyllium husk or some form of fiber that pulls it out, helps remove that, the buildup. Um, but in your case, so what we're looking at is you were having some breakouts. Did you say your chin? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I still some- have one. I got, I, I ate I, one day, I had too much dairy and I was like, I'm going to pay for this. Sure enough, the next day got a giant, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little old to be getting big pimples, but yeah. it was, uh, it was, it's amazing. Right. But it, what it is, is you have candida, uh, a candida population in your lower colon. This is, this area is your lower colon. He's circling around the mouth, by the way. Yeah, the mouth, around, that around the mouth. Mm-hmm. So the yes. chest. Yes. And, uh, oh, you mean this is where you were breaking up? Oh, no, I'm, I was just because people can't see what you're doing. I just oh, want yeah, to say right. you're, thinking, you're circling yeah. around. Right. Around the mouth uh, and, and down to the middle chin. Now, the outsides of the chin are uh, preservative toxin acne, but the center chin and then kind of going up like a goatee around the mouth. Oh, wait, mine was right here. It's right here. So that would be preservative toxin? That's right on the edge. Uh, it's, that's, that's close to center chin. It's probably center chin, right? Everyone's going to have a slightly different line. I'm assuming because you said it was a lot of dairy that it probably was the candida version. But it is possible you ate something that had um, toxins in it that came out as on, the, uh, you know, on that oh, side I'm too. I'm sure. As much as, and by the way, since, you're, since my last podcast with you, I am like hyper vigilant about pesticide, you know, that you got me completely. Oh, good. Oh, oh yeah. So wine? I, I, I switched wine. I actually, I'm not drinking as much wine, but I, I, my guy knows I want organic now, or I'm only buying from Europe. Oh, I'm, I'm nice. all over it. I'm all over it. All nice. Over. Yeah. Um, so the, um, uh, but yeah, so what happens with mucus is more candida grows. Okay. And, um, that's why you get an acne toxin. People are like, well, again, why is it showing up on my chin? Well, because the gut where that mucus accumulated is absorbing the toxins and then it redistributes them out of the skin. I don't know why. I think if I had to put like, a, if I were to presume it, well, there was a purpose to it, I would say to tell you, it's a warning. Hey, your system is out of balance. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what acne ultimately is. Because otherwise right. you just think, wait, I have candida toxins at the end of the line why don't they just head on out the other way? Like, why the heck are they going back into the skin and right. purging out of my follicles? But, you know, that's the way the system is set up. Well, let me ask you, this is kind of a, a little bit of a digression, but like I have friends, my kids included, you know, the kids are entering like preteen, teen years and they're starting to break out. Is yeah. that the same thing or is that, yeah. is that hormones or, or is it just also what they're eating? Oh, uh, it is the same thing. Essentially like the, the, the tendency for kids to have uh, candida is very high because almost always they're going through a few, if not several rounds of antibiotics between ages zero and 12. You don't actually, what's interesting about uh, what I've learned, again, this is just through thousands of cases of following this, but um, what I learned was that usually 12 and under don't build up mucus yet. Their gut is healthy enough where they take the hits of dairy, they take the hits of these other foods, and their body is able to do it without getting wounded. Something about going from 12 to 13 um, puts yeah. them 
in well, a might class be hormones. It's probably the hormones, right? Well, except that it's a mucus response. Mm-hmm. Um, no, because you can have candida at 12, but I, I should clarify that. I, you know, if kids have eczema, zero to 12, they have candida. But what I noticed was they don't have to treat both their candida and their mucus until age 13 for some reason. Oh, okay. So I, I don't know what to liken that to other than um, just, you know, you're slowly losing the health of your gut over time. Um, so, yeah, that's a big reason why a lot of people point to hormones. But honestly, testosterone is not a cause of um, acne, in my opinion. It's progesterone. And so, yes depending on how much estrogen toxin exposure that younger child had over their years, like the girls who were really struggling um, to have a normal period, maybe really late onset of their first period, uh, almost always they're in a farming community or they're, they've been exposed to a lot of uh, estrogenic toxins in their zero to 12 range where, um, you know, that, that leads to that. So, um, that can be a source of acne as well. It, it, again, I go back to my mapping. It depends where it's located, Mm -hmm. right? If they're breaking out a lot along their jawline, um, which is like an inch above your jawline and a bench below, that means they were exposed to a lot of, uh, what I call food preservative estrogenic toxins, food preservatives that mimic estrogen. And, um, but if they break out a lot on their neck, uh, front and back of their neck and, and right next to their ear, then that's in more of an indication they're being exposed to pesticides. And you can't avoid it. Like if you live in Texas near the farming communities, it's in the air. It's probably in the local water supply. Like you want to go outside and play, you're breathing it in. And it's a, just a tragedy of the U.S. who uses more pesticide than anyone else in the yep. world. Yep. Uh, so bad. Yep. We, you scared the hell out of me the last time. I was like, I mean, I think I've listened to that podcast myself probably like five, six times. Um, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of information. I didn't realize there was. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, 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 you kind of rocked my world, um, you know, blew my world apart. Um, it's okay, yeah. though. It's okay. Because it's probably. Yes, it's, healthier it's, like, it's like you don't know what you don't know. And then you know it and you can't forget it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you have to move on from there and taking that information, move forward in the best way possible. Well, and it's got to resonate with people. You know, all your listeners are uh, hearing a lot of different opinions and um, it either resonates or it doesn't. I know that when I came across the information or I had a new insight about it, um, like it was either an aha moment. I mean, I've had plenty of insights that I moved past because it was, didn't feel like an aha moment. And um, so anyway, yeah, no, I feel very confident at this point and I'm sure your body is reaping the rewards it is, I think I'm, I'm more in tune with things like now things that are happening. It's almost like that's because, because if I think back to what I ate 24 hours prior, or what I consumed 24 hours prior, I can be like, aha, you know, and yes. before I, I was just like, oh my God, I'm breaking out. But so you know, the other thing that you, I think I recall you telling me was you got migraines with certain wine or sometimes post wine. Was that right? No, or headache? no I do. No. Get, well, I did, but I, I know that the sulfates and the wines. I know. So I don't I know that. Like, I think it might very well, because I've found uh, a drop in your estrogen causes uh, migraine headaches. So I think okay. it could be the pesticide in the wine lowering your estrogen and that causing a headache for Got people. It. I'm not totally sure it's sulfates. Oh, so I'll okay. ask you if you've noticed less of that now that you're doing organic wines, because they still have sulfates. Yeah, no, I, you're right. I am noticing. Well, you know, the thing is, I got to be honest with you, I'm just not drinking as much wine as I used to. So, I mean, that's good. Um, but when I do, uh, I'm very, like, I, I've been buying organic wine. Um, some of the reds, like now I'm drinking more. I, I'm not drinking California wines. Sorry, California. Nothing again. I yeah. like wines, but they're loaded with pesticides. So I'm no longer drinking anything from California. I tried Kim Crawford wines. They're not for me. It's just oh. I'm not, that's, it's my, it's not the types of wines I like, but I found a few organic yep. Chardonnays I like. And, oh, and with reds, you know, I, I, I like Bordeaux, so I'm happy. Um, yeah. You know, instead of drinking a cab from California, I now drink a, a Bordeaux from France. So, you know, it, it's okay. I'm learning to, yeah. and in fact, I'm having fun trying new wines that I might not have tried 
Oh, you're yeah, I have uh, like uh, Malbecs from Argentina. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Spain are good. So wait, uh, so wait, where are the wine? Let's. I I kind of did a a reels on this, but we've got Argentina's okay. Uh, yes, I believe Argentina is a lower use. Uh, Europe, yep. Europe as a whole is a lower use, and um, Australia, New Zealand, I found were lower use pesticide countries. Okay. And, this is very uh, important to me. And, and, oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's less. You're drinking less. You're living I am drinking a lot. I am. I'm drinking a lot less. Um, but that was a decision I made prior to this. It was too much, uh, too many excuses during the beginning of COVID. So let me ask you this. Um, so you kind of brought this up, and I know we talked about this last time. So can poor gut health be the culprit behind skin issues? And you're obviously saying yes. I'm saying it is the culprit. Poor gut health is the culprit. And I'll just list all the skin issues off like in, off the top of my yeah. head. Eczema, psoriasis, um, uh, sebaceous hyperplasia, seborrheic dermatitis, uh, even psoriatic arthritis is a candida based, even, you know, and a lot of these get separated out. Uh, and, you know, there's like, well, even plaque psoriasis, like all forms of psoriasis, in my opinion, um, uh, the few forms of eczema that they've, I guess, identified are we have, uh, let's see, uh, a condition called, uh, I actually think vitiligo has a gut health uh, component. We have something called syringoma, which are these hard nodules that grow in the digestive zones of the face. Uh, we have um, rosacea, I would say about 80% of the time is a digestive-based uh, condition. Acne about, and I'm just going on Western world, uh, uh, Western world acne, I would say uh, uh, 80% of it is, is uh, candida-based, microbiome-based. Um, and then there's funky stress. Well, like H. pylori creates redness around the nostrils, not on the nostrils, but around them. Um, and acid reflux is by our, you know, is a digestive microbiome problem too. Um, so what happens in acid reflux is the bacteria in your, uh, stomach are altered by the food choices and, or by taking an antacid and, or by taking one of those hydrogen pump blockers that you, you get prescribed. And that leads to a reduction in how many enzymes your, your pancreas puts out to help digest the food. So what does your stomach have to do? It has to increase its acid production. So acid reflux is also a microbiome problem. Um, oh. Strep throat. Um, what else is uh, ear infections? I think most ear infections are a microbiome problem. Mm. Um, most forms of IBS, uh, but we were talking skin conditions. So, um, um, of course, all forms of IBS, as I say that out loud. But yeah, so it is a, uh, uh, it is a host of skin issues. Um, you can have weird rashes. Um, basically, the way I look at it is 99.99% of skin problems are either from your liver or your, your, my, your digestive tract. It's hmm. just that simple. And, uh, uh, so yeah, you, you, it's definitely an area we should all be focusing. Wow. So what, what are the best ways that we can improve our gut health? I mean, obviously you've mentioned a couple like, and things not to do, but what are the best things that we can be doing to improve our gut health? Besides okay. grabbing so One of the things we didn't talk about is the assault on the microbiome and where are the sources of assault? So, you know, they add a, a variety of toxins to water to quote unquote, uh, reduce the dangerous bugs in water. Um, but these toxins like arsenic, like, uh, bleach, a lot of people say, Oh, I didn't think it was bleach is chlorine. No, no, it's oxidized bleach. It is. I mean, it's oxidized chlorine. It is literally bleach that they add to water and they add massive amounts in varying areas. Like I think New York has less bleach. Uh, uh, Miami and Texas have uh, huge amounts of bleach added to their public water. And this is public water we're talking about. And a lot of people think they filter their water that right. will take the bleach out. No, uh, you need a specific chlorine filter in order to do that. Um, so that's one source. The other source is the preservatives in food. So the more you eat long shelf life foods, the more um, you eat, uh, where else is it for preservatives? 
Um, you know, fast food is a huge source of these preservatives. And again, they're not going to be on the label because they're so added. Basically anything on the inside of the store that's not around the perimeter. If it's not perimeter. organic and even organic right. has these right. preservatives, you're just going to have more of them, I think, with non-organic. But all meats are going to have preservatives in them from the strategies, uh, you know, unless you're getting it from a farm that, you know, is very specific about not adding, like, but it's crazy where they add it. They add it into the food they eat, right? So they, they eat, they say, oh, we didn't give this chicken any hormones, but the food, the meal that they fed them had this or that poison in it. And they don't have to list that, but of right. course it's deposited in their body. Um, and so, um, meats, most dairy has some preservatives. Cause again, they, they do this all in the idea that, Hey, let's prolong the shelf life of foods. Like one of the crazy things is I buy this organic bread called Rudy's. I don't know if they have it on the East coast and it used to last me less than a week after I bought it from the store. And now it lasts like three weeks or four weeks. I'm like, what Whoa. do they do hold in this bread? It's still so organic. No change as far as I know. Something's been added that I know ultimately is going to be harmful to my microbiome. Uh, of course, antibiotics are an assault on your microbiome. And then um, apple cider vinegar. Um, we may have talked about that last time. I'm not a fan. Uh, apple cider vinegar is harmful to your microbiome. No, it does have we did not talk about this. Let's talk about it because I'm seeing lots of, you know, things on TikTok and on, you know, social media that you should be taking some apple cider vinegar every day. Like take a shot of it. It's, um, it's a misunderstanding. Uh, acetic acid, which is the core ingredient in there, is anti-candida. So you'll see people who become uh, advocates of uh, apple cider vinegar because they saw some aspect of their candida problem get better. But what they don't realize is the daily application of apple cider vinegar will uh, kill your good bugs too. And so uh, you don't really want to take that, in my opinion. The other one is alkalinized water, like a lot of people don't realize, but the constant flooding of your digestive tract, primarily your stomach, uh, of alkalinized water alters the microbiome, um, so that's harm. Um, oh my God, this is so confusing. Uh, what else <laughs> is a, a good example? Holy uh, cow. The, I'm just trying to go through what else we get exposed to that's... I think that covers most of it, um, but that's the tragedy of it, right, is it's in a lot of our water. Like, you might even buy purified water at the store. I advise everyone, avoid water that says purified water because it means it's tap water that's gone through some BS filter that's not very significant in most cases. I don't like RO water because of the nutrient stripping uh, that that is, uh, involves. Um, so I'm a big spring water guy. Most. Right. Are you going to get some poisons in some spring water? Sure, but you're much more likely to get quality water there. Um, good, because I like the taste best of spring water anyway. Okay. Yeah, cool. good. Okay, I'm doing something right. Woohoo! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay, but is there, okay, so you said the best way to improve our gut health then is to be aware and notice like what we should stop doing, but is there something we can be taking or? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I believe that the, uh, things like sea buckthorn oil is, um, actually uh, really healthy for that. That's why I created this mix that's specifically to blend for the microbiome restoration. Um, but other oils in that category that have a lot of good lipids and omegas in them. Um, what else? Uh, other good foods. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, I need vegetables and all that. But I haven't found that to be the case, uh, that vegetables are a necessary part of a good microbiome. And so, yeah. Wow. So uh, just so people, since the last time we spoke, I did start taking a lot of the, uh, the thing the, from your wellness collection. So ingesting okay. certain things. But the one thing is I am having a hard time with is that oil. Oh my God. You do have trouble swallowing oil or does it taste bad? It tastes bad. Well, I, you know what? It's also this thing when I was little, my dad would try to get me to take cod liver oil 
like yeah. teaspoon, like on Christmas morning, like it, it was like a joke to him. So I have like a bad thing with taking, and it kind of reminds me of that. Like it's, you yeah. know, but I, I choke it down. I choke it down. Well, you, oh, you do. Oh, Cause oh, normally yeah. uh, what I tell people is if you have a bad taste, there's an oil pulling going on and there's toxins being pulled from your mouth. Um, and uh, in almost every case, after taking it for two weeks, the bad taste goes away. So if you're not experiencing that, um, then... I could just be hypersensitive to it too. Who knows? You know, It's possible. It's I'm possible. one of those people that if I don't like the taste of something, I won't take it for very long because I, I, I've done that. Like Even like with anything, I just won't. I'll stay away from it. Like I'd rather not eat it and just, I just, yeah. I'll find any excuse not to have to taste that taste again. <laughs> but I do get the whole range. I get, you know, most people say it's neither here nor there. Right. Some people say, oh, I absolutely love the taste. And some people say I can't stand the taste. So it's a really interesting thing for me to know, like, what's, what's the reason behind that? But I'm glad you're pushing through. Oh yeah. Um, no, no, I'm pushing. I am pushing through. I, I do. And you I, don't, you don't, I am, I'm almost, you know, hundred percent sure you don't smoke, but do you no, smoke? I do not. No. Okay. Because I have found people who smoke are more likely to find a taste bad because those toxins from the cigarette smoking uh, keep repopulating. And so you never stop the oil pulling of that. So mm-hmm. we're good there. We're good there. Uh, yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, I can't remember if you actually had symptoms that you were trying to resolve or you're just trying to get. Just trying back. to get healthy. I mean, you know, I just, you know, it's a, well, I think we all have some symptoms of some things, but you know, it's just. My whole goal is to, uh, you know, age as well as I can, the best that I can control the things that are within my control. And, you know, what I'm putting in my body is, uh, well, I thought was in my control. It turns out there's lots of things being snuck in that I'm not aware of, Uh, but. And if you're you, like there was a certain number of months that we talked about, I don't know if it was offline about what uh, you needed to get to get the toxicity down to a place it could affect, uh, you know, how you, uh, store fat. Uh, yep. I think we talked about cellulite. Like there are a lot of benefits that you get to once your, your system is clear and you're able to, your then your fat cells start dumping any excess remnants. And so a lot of women don't realize that, um, their cellulite is uh, from estrogen toxins. And if they can remove them from their system, which right. isn't always easy, um, then, uh, and DIM is a big ingredient in that formula of skin defense that is diendol methane that is really good at binding estrogenic toxins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, no, I, um, did, I did the whole regimen and I'm getting, doing more. I do take it. Awesome. It's, it's good. And I'm, I'm, I will be explaining to, uh, my, well, not necessarily my listeners, but definitely my followers on Instagram, what I've been taking, how I take it. We'll be doing Okay. That. Yeah. So is there, is there anything else you want to ask? Like, um, or, I mean, answer anything else that you want to mention about gut health that we should like, you know, end this on because it's so confusing. Yes. I think let me try to remember. And it's always funny for me because I, I get this list and my, my brain works differently. I don't always hold these things all in my memory. Um, but let me try to think of the, uh, I don't, as supplements that cause gut harm, we didn't really talk too much oh, about yeah. that. Because okay. Yon probiotics, ashwagandha, a lot of women take ashwagandha for feminine, for hormonal support or whatever. I have found it causes candida growth. We've already mentioned anything with citric acid. So right. it could be calcium citrate, magnesium citrate is huge. I find most people don't need magnesium, but don't do magnesium oxide. A lot of women with constipation do magnesium oxide because it causes loose stool because it's so bad for the gut. Um, but don't do that. Um, so uh, what else? Biotin. I found biotin to be harmful to the microbiome and promote uh, candida. Uh, let's see if I can think of any others. Um, so are you saying that all these prebiotic and probiotic supplements that we're seeing are bullshit, basically? Basically, uh, inulin is a prebiotic that uh, does not, uh, that causes uh, an inc- the lactobacillus in your body like inulin. So what I found people, a lot of people take inulin as their prebiotic and it causes them to gain weight. So if you get too much lactobacillus, yes, lactobacillus is a fat promoter, um, a form of um, 
your probiotic population. So I recommend never taking probiotics, of course, but don't do things that promote lactobacillus. So uh, you're saying don't take them. This is what you're saying. Don't take them. Don't, take don't them. ever take them again. The, the, the number one thing I see from people taking probiotics is they develop this H. pylori part where their stomach starts performing poorly. They get redness around their nose. They might get acne around their nose. Um, so okay, yeah. So can we end this just, I mean, we'll say when you see all these commercials and you see people talking about how they take this, you know, probiotic and how great it is, like just don't, don't believe it. Don't believe it. Just walk away, save it. your money. Don't buy it. And one don't thing, uh, there you uh, go. What's, it's bio, bioprene. Uh, what's the other name for it? Um, it's a common ingredient. Uh, I think one of the terms is bioprene, but it, it is another um, one that distorts the microbiome. So we'll leave out on that today. I really do want to come back and talk about aging skin at some point. Yes, I know. <laughs> okay, you're coming on a Definitely. third time. We do have to talk about aging skin, but we keep going off in these tangents and gut health is something that I've been asked about. And I'm like, I have no freaking idea because it's so confusing. <laughs> and basically it's still confusing, I'm finding, but <laughs> the story, after the second listen. Yeah, exactly. After I listen to this about four or five times, I will pick up more. But basically, don't buy this crap, okay? Because you're, you're causing more problems. You're causing more harm than good, you, you know, and we don't need that. And I think that as women or just people getting older, uh, men and women, that, you know, things start to happen to us. We start to feel things that you know, we used to be able to shake off maybe, or we just didn't notice them before. Maybe they're just happening because we're getting older. And so then we start thinking, oh, well, maybe if I take this supplement and I take that supplement and you don't realize that you're actually causing more problems. So you could be. And exactly. And most of these supplements I find are not helpful. Yeah. You got me to, you, we, after our last podcast together, I showed him what I was taking and you got, it was great. Cause it's like, oh, I'm saving money. I don't need all this crap, you know? And it's, but yeah. I think, I think what happens is we all start taking stuff because we see like our friends and our peers taking it and we see commercials and we see on social media and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, my goal is to get to the bottom of this, take it if it works, great, but don't waste your money on stuff that's actually not working and or causing other problems. So I think that's a, that's a good way to end it. Do you agree? Yeah. Okay. I guess we're going to, I guess we're going to wrap it up. Okay, everyone. Thanks again, Dr. Ben. And we will have you on to talk about skin, which is, I think, how I ended the last one. And we still haven't really talked about it. So you're coming back. Thank um, you. Yeah, please come me back. I love talking about that too. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there for today. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, everyone, if you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. I have a new pro-aging podcast bi-weekly. So please contact Lauren at founda30.com for sponsorship opportunities. Take care, everyone, and stop taking those probiotics. (laughs) Be well. Take care. Bye.